just want to um, just say a couple of things. Firstly, we asked our speakers today if they had any recommended books, because sometimes as a leader, you, you just want to uh, be be kind of stirred on. And here's some of the titles that they suggested. Matthew, who's going to speak in a moment, recommended Hero Maker. And uh, these are all on your, on your handouts. And he recommended um, uh, Emotionally Healthy Leadership. Both of those you can buy online. You can browse these copies. We don't have a bookstore, but you can just order them online. Um, uh, Peter, who just spoke to us, uh, recommended Oswald Sanders' Spiritual Leadership. Uh, says it's a great book on leadership. Um, Jenny, who was uh, talking as a political journalist, uh, recommended A Church for the Poor and The Story of Cap, Nevertheless, Christians Against Poverty, both which have been influential in her life in stirring her to the things that she holds dear. So, um, And uh, Tim had a recommendation from Good to Great as a business book on how to, how to create great, great companies. So uh, all of those are worth worth looking at. We've had a great day, haven't we? Just, I, I feel stretched in all directions in terms of my own leadership. It's like, wow, I've, I've got so much work to do and so much to trust God for. So I want to introduce you to Matthew. Matthew, if you're from Kings here, you know him so well. Matthew and Anne, they founded Kings uh, 16 years ago. And as we started talking about this conference, we, we as elders, we were talking, we thought, wouldn't it be great if uh, Matthew, having handed on the leadership of King's Church here to me just a few months ago uh, of the team here, wouldn't it be great to get some insights into the legacy of leadership? Who Somebody who's handed on to be thinking, well, looking back over my ministry in life, here's some of the things that if I was speaking to somebody who was 20, 30, 40 years younger, here's some of the things that I would say are huge priorities in my life to help you and I live those things out with that wisdom. So, uh, Matthew's a good friend, so I just want you to ask you to welcome Matt. Great, thanks, Dan. Yeah, what a what a day! It's been a great day. So I feel full up with actually all the things of God. Uh, it's fantastic, isn't it? Um, so when I when when the guys asked and said, actually, I think, Matthew, you should do something on legacy. And I kind of heard this word, legacy, don't we? You kinda, it's, it's, it's banded around, isn't it? And you're thinking, what, is it, what does it mean? What, what, is, you know, what, is, what is a legacy? And um, so obviously I looked it up in the, in the dictionary. And, um, you know, you can leave a, a legacy. So when you die, you leave a legacy. It could be money, it could be a house, or maybe a, a sort of special item uh, that you bequest, uh, a sentimental picture, a treasured possession, you know, a ring from your granny, you know, that kind of thing. Um, this is what my mum left me. Um, so, so this here is a, a coffee, I think it's a coffee pot. Okay, uh, I've never actually drunk coffee out of it. Uh, it's kind of copper. Um, it actually does have, and it's kind of, it's not copper inside. You come on over, you open it up. Um, now, I, I know about this, okay? So this isn't just given to me. I can't just go and sell this. Okay, this is like, no, you've got to, you've got to look after this. This is handed down. This was, you know, my father's, she says, you know. Now, her father was born not even in the 20th century, sort of way back, you know. Uh, and <laughs> and this, this is to be handed on from, to one of my children, okay? 
Uh, I'm not going to say which one's which because I'm on, <laughs> I'm on MP3, so you know they're, they're waiting to find out. Uh, this, this, <laughs> this is actually a, a pot, you know, uh, dating back to 17 something. So it's really old, uh, and I, I really no idea how precious it is, you know. I, I, I won't try not to drop it. Uh, so it sits there. As you can see, it's not particularly polished up. Anne said, shall I polish it? I said, no, no, just leave it the way it is. Uh, it's kind of, it's old and it sits somewhere uh, in our house, okay? So you can get this thing that's going to send on. There's, there's another thing of legacy, okay? Um, a legacy is also something that you, you kind of set in. It's a, a culture that you develop. It's a way of life that affects those that follow you, um, for this, the great thing is you actually don't need to die first uh, in order to kind of hand it on. Um, uh, the interesting thing is it can be both positive and negative. Um, uh, legacies are not always bringers of progress, okay? Uh, there's many different references in the Old Testament to the effect, for example, that a king might have. First uh, Kings 15, we hear of uh, Nadab, uh, and it says, son of Jeroboam, he did evil in the eyes of the Lord, following in the ways of his father. Jeroboam's legacy to his son was a detrimental legacy. Yeah. However, in the same chapter, we hear about Asa. Asa, who was commended, and it says, he followed in the ways of David, doing right in the eyes of the Lord. And part of Asa's legacy that he handed on was removing the cult shrines of Asherah, even a sort of grotesquely perverted one that his granny had put up. So he was actually not afraid to actually take down those things and to actually stand against those things that were contrary to uh, lifting up God and his name. How we live... And the values that we stand for and fight for, that we sort of, we, we kind of cut a path. I want to kind of give you that kind of image. We sort of cut a path through um, for others to walk in. And that either can be a path that is a good path or a bad path. I, I think about that at the moment, just that sort of pathway, sort of cutting through the undergrowth. You're hacking through some things that actually, what it means is, is that you've had to hack it through so that those coming after you won't have to hack through those same things. So you've cleared some ground. Uh, I, I think about the kind of, for my own generation, the baby boomer generation, that actually it was a kind of call on us in the kind of 70s and 80s in terms of restoration of the church. You guys are living in the, in the benefit of some of those things that we fought for. And some of them we really did have to fight for, seeing, the, seeing an openness to the Holy Spirit, seeing apostles again recognized as a gift for, from Christ to actually see churches planted and expanded throughout the world. And there are thousands of churches as a result of that. Seeing every person finding their place. It wasn't just the, the minister, the one who kind of was preaching, but actually seeing every person in the church has a, has a role in terms of ministry 
at finding your place. It was a hard fought for territory that has meant that generation to come hasn't had to fight the same battles. It was a legacy handed on. Now, we can take new ground, advancing in relational mission. (laughs) And on the back of this legacy that's been handed down, it can actually make a spearhead new initiatives. What's, What's God got for us? What's what are the things that we need to break through? What are the things that we've actually got to cut through and actually um, cut our teeth in in some way? And, uh, and actually, we've got some things that are handed to us on a plate, as it were, that gives us that access that we can actually say, well, thank goodness we're here. Now, what is it now that actually God's calling us to do? And I, I just want to challenge you right from the beginning. It's actually saying, what is it that actually for your, where you are, in terms of we've got lots of different age groups here, well, what is it that actually God's calling you to do in that? So what kind of, I want to talk a little bit about also about parents and children. What kind of legacy are you leaving for your children, your disciples, your small group, your church? Is there a, a culture that actually you're pioneering uh, that you want your work colleagues to actually see the benefit of and say, actually, these are things that we fought for. This culture that we have here, we heard quite a lot from, from Tim talking about the culture, really, that he's setting in, how important that is in terms of the organisation that he's founded, that he's actually fighting for that culture to actually see it carry on. I think it's so important. What is that culture that I'm wanting to create and pass on? Things like generosity and caring and making time for people and grace in everything that we do. We thrive best, don't we, when we are allowed to try things out without a fear of failure. That's a culture. We can create that culture. As leaders, we can set in a culture that I would call it a a have-a-go culture. Yeah? Have a go. Okay, no, no, okay, it didn't quite work. That's okay. Actually, that's how we take ground. We're actually going to create that culture that actually says, no, just have a go at it. Yeah, well, I don't think I am. Well, just have a go. Go on, have a go. It's a culture that creates initiative and it creates an enthusiasm. We're, we're, we're looking to hand on that culture. I love the way it's already been uh, talked about today already, but... Um, the kind of handing on from Paul to Timothy that kind of happened. And we're seeing in Thessalonians 3.2. It says, We sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service, in spreading the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you um, in your faith. He calls him, not a, he's not a disciple or a trainee. Here's my trainee, you know, but... Here's my co-worker. It's my co-worker. And then to the Philippians, uh, Paul says uh, he hopes to send uh, Timothy to them soon. Um, And this is what he says about him. He says, I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not for those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy 
has proved himself. Because as a son with his father, he served with me in the work of the gospel. I think it's a wonderful passage that I just, I think is delightful. It's kind of like there's a, where's he learnt this deep care for the churches? Well, hanging about with Paul. He's caught Paul's heart. Not his biological father, but there's been a, a legacy that's been handed on. And Timothy's caught that. He's caught that faith. He's caught that care for the churches from Paul. We're also told that actually, interestingly about Timothy, that actually he did have a, 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 a legacy that was passed down to him from his mum and from his granny, Eunice and uh, Lois, um, in actually building into him solid foundations of the faith because of their sincere faith in Christ. So there's a legacy that as parents and grandparents, even Timothy there that then later going to these churches and blessing these churches, that actually this legacy has been handed on from granny and mum right through. We even get their names. Isn't that great? And I just think there's an encouragement to us uh, who are parents actually just say, you know, God's got, God's got a blessing for you as you're thinking, actually, I'm handing something on. All those things, I'm training my kids in this way because I actually want them to hear my, I want them to learn my heart. I want them to learn how, the kind of values that I have. I want you to learn how I approach people. I want you to learn how I deal with difficulties. And we learn that and we pass it on. In many ways, I think Timothy was like a personified legacy to the churches. On, sort of on behalf of Paul, he kind of went and he, Paul poured his values into Timothy. All that time together. And then he takes him around wherever he goes and he catches a heart and then he basically sends him. As he says, like a father and son, it actually just, he's going. As parents, we pour out our lives to our children, believing that some of it at least will set them on a course of life. I think if there's here, there's parents struggling with teenagers that seem to be throwing the baby out with the bathwater in terms of your values. I just want to say, as somebody who's seen kind of uh, teenagers do that and then sort of move on, once they're away from home, often they come back and they say, you know what? I so appreciate <laughs> Now that I've got kids, I really see what you were facing with me. And they're starting to then kind of come back to some of those values and, and learning some of the way that we dealt with things. How we live our lives, not just what we say, but the manner and the culture that we set in the home for our children is something that they will remember. As Paul said about Timothy, he carried this concern for the churches as Paul had done. And that's exactly what we're wanting to do. It's not necessarily that they're going to end up doing the same things as us. It's going to be a different generation to us. They're going to face different battles to us, but they're going to carry similar values. I love this uh, passage out of uh, Psalms 145. Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts and let them proclaim your power, this kind of handing on, this kind of legacy that's passed through, that they're telling, oh, I'm going to tell you about the mighty acts of God and pass it on. Billy Graham said, the greatest legacy one 
can pass on to one's children and grandchildren is not money or other material things accumulated in our life, but rather a legacy of character and faith. Here's Peter realizing that he's nearing the end of his days. And he says this in 2 Peter 1. Therefore, I will always remind you about these things, even though you already know them and are standing firm in the truth that you've been taught. And it's only right that I should keep on reminding you as long as I live. For our Lord Jesus Christ has shown me that I must soon leave this earthly life. So I will work hard to make sure that you always remember these things after I'm gone. Are you working hard to make sure that others will remember these values after you're gone? I think it's just a a great scripture about handing on. They were very aware of legacy, very aware that they had a limited time And this was a time where actually they're thinking, how do I make sure that these things, I'm going to work hard at these things, I'm going to fight for these things to make sure that these values are carried on. Peter, he's not not asking to be remembered sentimentally. Neither are we. But we're wanting those that are carrying the flame into the future that they will remember the truth, the Christian values, putting Christ at the center of everything. And we are commending those who follow us to ensure that they build with the same foundations that we laid by the grace of God. Paul says to Timothy, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it. That's what we're saying. Guard this truth. So I want to I wanna leave you with five things, Okay. You've got these kind of written out there for you. Five things that I think you should remember in terms of handing on a good legacy to the next generation, whether that be children or whether it be uh, just men and women that you're discipling, um, whether it be people in your workplace that you're saying this is really, really important. Um, If it just stops with us, Okay, so if it just stops with you, what's been achieved? If you say, okay, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run my race, but if it just stops with you and that's it, it's kind of like, oh well, that was that. It's, you could say it's rather pointless. It's rather pointless if it just stops with you. In fact, it's even somewhat egotistical, isn't it? <laughs> look, look what I did. Now, actually, the whole point is that it. You're thinking, all the time you're thinking about how can I make the ground that I've cleared, how can I actually make sure that that carries on further than my, my time on the pitch. So here's the first point, is living with a future mindset. And this is the question, how, and I've got a question with each one, how will this continue after I'm gone. In all we do, these are simple points, but in all we do, we need to be applying this question, how will it continue? I think Christ is such an example for us in his kind of three short years of ministry, really from day one, right, right from the beginning. We, we, you know, it starts off 
and he's really thinking about the day after he's kind of risen. What can I put in place now? It's not really just about what I'm doing right now, but actually I want this thing to carry on. I'm going to gather these 12 guys around me. I'm going to actually, you're going to see me do these things and I'm going to try and teach you over this time. I'm going to send you out in twos and I want you to copy what you see me do. I want you to try and do it. I want, and I'm going to help you with that. And we're going to have this process. It's not just going to be, I'm going to do the thing and you go, wow. And I'm going to say, okay, so what do we do? Do we, do we, do, are we supposed to do that as well? No, no, he taught them really well. He, you know, he, he'd spent a lot of time with these guys actually showing them how to, how to carry this on so that it wouldn't just stop at that point, but actually this would be the uh, starting point for the church just exploding. And we live in the benefit of that. What am I putting in place now? Who am I pouring my values into that I can trust will genuinely carry my heart when I'm not here to help? Who will carry the torch if I drop dead tomorrow? And you kind of should know that. And essentially what I'm saying is do it earlier than later. Don't wait until you're kind of thinking, oh gosh, I'm starting to kind of hobble around actually you need to do it early on so that you're thinking ahead you've always got that that point you've always got the future mindset you're not just thinking about your life but you're thinking right ahead I think it's so important second point is clearing ground and the question here is am I clearing ground for the next team or building my own reputation it's kind of returning to this kind of forest pathway metaphor what things am I fighting for now so that those that are coming after me won't have to repeat those things? I think sometimes these are thorny issues. This, for Paul, we know that a lot of his concerns were fighting for the um, false teachers that were seeping in and undermining the, the teaching of grace, that, that were laying heavy burdens on his Gentile converts. He needed to be vigilant clearing ground so that the elders appointed in the various churches wouldn't have to contend with the same issues. That's what he was fighting for. I actually want to clear this ground so that it actually makes it easier for you guys. Leadership isn't all about our ministry and our reputation as much as it's about clearing ground for the next team. I love looking at um, Bible maps. Do you like looking at Bible maps? I have this kind of, I have this kind of map book. Uh, in my quiet time sometimes and I'm just I'm reading some scripture or something and I just I kind of think okay where is that and I want to kind of flip into and this is sort of a, a photo of some of my Bible maps and uh, <clears throat> this is um, this is literal ground that David took you know this is and this was at the peak of kind of the kingdom when when it was the most extended out this is what he conquered in his lifespan the height of Israel's expansion. And he hoped that his son Solomon would carry on his legacy. David dreamed of building a a temple for God. And God said, I'm going to, you're not going to do that, David. I'm actually, your son's going to do that. And he's going to oversee the architecture and the design of this. He's going to have the fun of doing that bit. We've got to know there's bits that God gives us to do and we've got to know there's bits that God gives 
the next team to do, and so on. And we've got to say, this is what God's called me to. As going back to that point of calling that Dave talked about earlier on, that actually you've got to know what you are called to do and actually then say, well, no, I, that, and that's, that's that part. Now I've actually got to make sure that actually the next team coming along, this is, they've got to really be hearing God and thinking, what is it that actually God's calling us to do? What's the clearing ground bit that we've got to do now? What's the thing that God's calling us to do? Third point is releasing. 2 Timothy 2.2. Well. And the things you've heard, of, heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, Timothy, entrust to reliable people who will be qualified to teach others also. This sense of it handing on, handing on, handing on. It's not just teach, but it's actually raise up some teachers that will be able to teach and teach others. Raise teachers of teachers. I think the same is true. I was just saying about Moses and Joshua. Moses was the one who faced Pharaoh. He takes the people out of slavery. He fought that battle. But actually Joshua was the one who actually took the land. God had ordained that for him. And this was Moses' job. Wisdom here is knowing what God has called you to do. What he's reserved for those that follow after you. Be releasing now. Don't hold it to yourself. Don't leave it. As I was thinking this, and you'll laugh at this if you know me at all, I, I, I shared it with, with Anne uh, in the car on the way here, and she kind of laughed. She laughed at me because I'm going to use a kind of rugby term, okay? Uh, and I'm having to think back quite a number of years now when I used to play rugby at school. And you're running. If you ever play rugby, you are running and you know you're going you're gonna to get nailed in a minute. You're running with the ball and you're just about to get tackled and you're looking up the line and you know you're running along and you've got to pass this ball and you're just trying to, you're thinking, yeah, but I, can, I might be able to get there. I might be able to touch. No, I'm not going to be able to. I'm going to get knocked down. You know, I've got to, pa- I've got to you're going to make that decision of when you're passing it Actually, I've got to pass it before I hit the ground. So you actually, you're, you're running as hard as you can, but your, your eye is looking at the person you're going to pass it to, making sure they're in line, they're running along, the, the wing is with you. And then you pass it along, and, and then you get decked just at that point as you pass it. And it's just, it's getting that point, and that's, that's what you see. And I think, don't hold on, don't, don't, don't wait until you're, you're on the ground, okay, and the ball's all over the place. Actually pass it on. Almost at, the, almost at the beginning of when you get the ball, okay, talking figuratively, when you get the ball, you've got to start, you, that's at that point, you've got to start looking at, so who's with me and who am I passing it to? And you're looking at that next bit. You're thinking about that as you're running, but you're also looking. So there's those two things that kind of come together. Fourthly, and this is so important, it's not mine. And the question is, do I see it as on loan or my property? 
parents, are they your children? Or are they God's children that he's loaned to you for a bit? (laughs) Is it your church? Or is it God's church that he's asking you, could you just come in and kind of help play this leadership role in for a bit? It's my church. Let's face it. Nobody is going to do it as good as you do it. Well, that's often how it feels. <laughs> but it's more correct to say no one is going to do it the way you do it. Okay? Parents. <laughs> you know, you, you, you're thinking, actually, I'm passing this thing on. Actually, your kids, you know, they're going to take some of the things that you've taught them and some of them they're going to throw out. Some of them they're going to hold on to and say, that were really good points. Thanks, mom, dad. Those things I'm going to chuck out. (laughs) Because that's what you did as well. That's how you actually decided. That's exactly the same process. And I think we don't want to be like the kind of aged aunt, do we? Who says, "It's either do it my way or I'm going to cut you out of the will. Handing on a legacy is not actually like the coffee pot or the house or the money. It never belonged to us. It's always something that was always been God's. It's just been on loan to us. He's asked us to be guardians for a time. Peter calls them his very great and precious promises. We apply them to our life. Dave Ferguson, whose book... um, I'm recommending Hero Maker chides us not to aim at the wrong basket, using a sort of basketball term, um, rather to focus on how many... It's not, it's not about focusing on how many are coming to our thing. We should be focusing on how many apprentices we have and how many we've developed. For our legacy to continue, we need to be pouring into the lives of others apprentices, not wait until we're past it. And finally, my fifth point is eye on the crown. Are you confident that God sees your heart and will reward you fully? Second Timothy 4. And here's Paul talking now. Very similar to Peter's actually. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering. The time of my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. But there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Paul knew he was nearing the end of his race. He'd passed it on well. He'd raised up his young men and women and they were running well, full of faith and integrity. And at this point, there can be that searching question. What is there for me? The answer is that Paul knew that there was a reward in store. God wasn't going to leave him empty. He'd run well. He'd been faithful. 
He'd fought the fight of faith. And he would gain the crown of righteousness for his efforts. Are you a parent that's facing the empty nest stage of life? Suddenly aware that the house is much quieter now. Your kids don't ask you for help as they used to. Your usefulness seems to have come to an end, apart from cash handouts. (laughs) We must stand confident in the knowledge of the crown that God has for us. We have a rewarder in heaven. The rich riches are in heaven, not on this earth. The Oscars for us Christians are in the world to come. Let me leave you with Jesus' words. Matthew 25. And after a a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. And the man who'd received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done. Good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things and I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. You've got to know that actually... You've used what God's given you. You've run the race that God's called you to do. You've finished well. You've passed it on. You haven't just buried it. (laughs) You've actually passed it on. Determined to prepare well. To be releasing. To live a life of integrity. That will leave an honoring culture and legacy. That will be remembered and desired to be copied. Amen. Amen.